Coming up, Dre Jameson is that dude and predictions for the D-backs final 10 games here on the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. We just look up Locked On Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And we're also on YouTube, Locked On Dimebacks on there as well. So go, go hit subscribe if you want to see my ugly mug. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, thank you for making. Locked on Diamondbacks, your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. I miss yesterday's podcast. I don't normally do that. It was an impromptu miss because I woke up Wednesday morning just not feeling the best. My head hurt. My throat felt completely closed. Went and got COVID tested, came back negative today. Thank you. As you guys know, I like to record my podcast early, so I felt bad on Wednesday, so that meant no Thursday pod. Thursday, as you guys are you guys are listening to this on Friday, but I'm recording this on a Thursday, feeling a lot better this Thursday. Still not 100% back, but I think by tomorrow, I will be all the way back. I think it just a cold of some sort. My throat feels a lot better than yesterday. My head feels like 80% improved. So I think I can wake up tomorrow and feel a lot better about myself. But I don't think I'm going to be feeling as good as Dre Jameson was against the Dodgers. Of course, this is a couple of days old now while you guys are listening to this podcast, but I still want to talk about Dre Jameson and the start he had against the Dodgers because we've seen Jameson now through two starts, First one against the Padres, second one against the Dodgers, and both times, this boy, Dre Jameson, is looking nasty, and these young D-backs pitchers are just coming up. Ryan Nelson, I mean, sadly, he's on the injured list now because he got popped in the arm, but he's looked good to start his major league career with the D-backs. Dre Jameson looks nasty right now. I mean, Tommy Henry was kind of up and down, and that was probably more expected just because of his pitching profile, but going to next year, you got to feel good about Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson, and I just want to focus on Jameson for a little bit on this topic because against the Dodgers, six innings pitch, two earned runs, seven strikeouts, that stat line is not easy to do. Like, Merrill Kelly is going to get Cy Young votes. He's going to be in consideration this year, and He's someone that has just struggled mightily, gotten crushed by the Dodgers this year. But someone like Dre Jameson, first start against the Dodgers, second start in his entire career. He absolutely shuts down the lineup. So how did Jameson do that? Well, he mixes his pitches beautifully from his first start against the Padres to his second start against the Dodgers. He mixed up his arsenal beautifully and kept hitters off bounds in his first start against the Padres this is how he mixed up his pitches he threw his fastball 42% of the time 
His sinker, 30% of the time. Slider, 17% of the time. Change up, 10% of the time. And the curveball, 1% of the time. But against the Dodgers, he threw his slider 35% of the time. Fastball, 34% of the time. Sinker, 19% of the time. Change up, 9% of the time. And curveball, 3% of the time. So, a lot of percentages. But basically, he swapped his utilization and the usage of his slider and his sinker ball against the Padres, he went mostly fastball, mostly sinker, with the sliders the third most used pitch. But against the Dodgers, the, the slider was the most used pitch with the fastball and then the sinker following up. After, he basically swapped the usages of his slider and sinker. And I wonder why that is. I don't have a correct answer for you. One reason could be because he gave up two hits in his first start against the Padres. Both hits he gave, he gave up were against his sinker, so maybe he wants to go with a more trustworthy pitch, and maybe that's his slider. Or maybe it's just the construction of this Dodgers lineup. Maybe he felt like it was better to attack them more with sliders as opposed to sinkers. So very curious into the psyche of why that is for Dre Jameson. But also listen to how he delved out those pitches because against the Padres, he threw 28 fastballs to lefties and 10 fastballs to righties. But against the Dodgers, he threw 20 fastballs to righties and 12 fastballs to lefties. So way more fastballs to lefties than to righties in the first game against the Padres. But he swapped that in the second game. The sinker ball against the Padres, 12 sinkers to righties, 15 to lefties. But against the Dodgers, 13 to righties, and then 5 to lefties. So not only did he swap how much he used the slider and sinker, he also swapped on who sees it more often than not. And against the Padres, they saw more, the lefties saw more fastballs, but the lefties saw less, um, they saw more fastballs, and they also saw more sinker balls. But against the Dodgers, he did the exact opposite of that. So I found it very interesting to see why he swapped the utilization of both his slider and sinker, and then to see why he went more fastballs and lefties versus this team and then swapped it for the next team. Like the way he's adjusting his pitches, um, I think is showing a level of maturity that I'm surprised to see right now from Dre Jameson. The slider kind of stayed the same, both against the Dodgers, lefties and righties, and the Padres, lefties and righties. Um, he didn't really swap that too much. He didn't really go heavier against righties against the Padres and then heavier against the lefties against the Dodgers. So the slider kind of much stayed the same, but the fastball and the sinker were dramatically used different versus the righties and lefty pitchers when he faced the Dodgers and Padres. So a lot of different factors playing into Dre Jamison's first two starts. But you got to love the way he's shaking out and using his arsenal right now. And you can't, you have to feel like that's a lot of Brent Strom and his managing and coaching and philosophy right there. Because if you see also just how he attacked, how he attacked these Dodgers hitters to righties, he went more slider away, went more with the down sinker and the elevated fastball to lefties, more down and away with the slider, a little bit more hard of the zone with his fastball. He went high and away with the changeup, a little bit more inside um, with the curveball. Like, he does not throw his um, changeup and curveball against righties. That is a pitch he uses exclusively for lefties. So I think Dre Jamison is a very, very interesting pitcher with what we've already seen with what what kind of pitches he wants to throw against what kind of teams, what kind of pitches, and how often he throws those pitches against righties or lefties. And then also that's interesting against Dre Jamison is when you look at his first start compared to his second start, some of those velocities went up. His fastball velocity has went up. His sinker velocity went up. His slider velocity went up. So this is someone that could 
still have a little bit more left in the tank. We could have seen nerves in that first game. We probably could have seen nerves in that second game. But imagine when this guy faces like the Cincinnati Reds or the Pittsburgh Pirates next season. He's going to be throwing triple digits. His fastball averaged 96.6 miles an hour against the Dodgers in his second game. So this is someone who... We really don't have a guy like him in our rotation unless you look at someone like Ryan Nelson, maybe a guy like Zach Allen as well. But Dre Jameson is throwing even more heat than those guys. Ryan Nelson, as a minor leaguer, did have seasons where he could touch triple digits, didn't really do as much this year. But Dre Jameson definitely has the potential to be a pretty consistent guy throwing 100 miles an hour. So I love the young pitchers coming up right now for the D-backs. Ryan Nelson has been great. Dre Jameson has been great as well. And it's given me a lot of optimism for next year. Now we'll get into predictions for the D-backs final 10 games. And I'm actually going to give you a little teaser prediction, one prediction um, before we get into the ad reads. Because the first prediction I want to give you guys this one kind of hurts my heart to say, but I think the D-backs are going to help the Padres make the postseason. I think the Padres are going to make the playoffs. I think it's partly going to be because of the D-backs. First, the Padres, the last couple of series, really took it to the D-backs. They played them really well, and the whole season, the Padres have played the D-backs really well. And then the final series of the year, the D-backs play the Brewers. And the way the D-backs are playing, I think they're going to take like two out of three against Milwaukee. I think they're going to try in that series. I think their offensive players are just really hot right now. We look at the Corbin Carrolls, the Dalton Varshows, even the Ketel Martez are heating up. So the lineup is getting hot. Christian Walker, too. Got young studs coming out of nowhere, out the woodwork. Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson. You still got Zach Allen and no more Dodgers for Merrill Kelly. So the rotation might be nasty. The offense might be hot. So I think the Padres are going to make the postseason. I think they should have the D-backs to thank. Now, if you want to bet on the Padres missing the postseason, you need to head to betonline.com because... BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info this season. And it's BetOnline.net, not .com. Because on BetOnline.net, you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's get into those predictions now for the D-backs final 10 games of the year because at the time that you guys are listening to this, the D-backs have already played their final game against the Dodgers, so that means we are on to game 152 is the next game the D-backs will be playing when you guys listen to this podcast. That means there's only 10 games left in the D-backs season. Unfortunately, I don't think the D-backs are making it to the postseason, but this was still a very fun Pretty, I, I don't know what other adjectives I want to say. I kind of had a brain fart there. Very fun. I didn't, like, I thought about saying incredible. I wouldn't say a year you miss a postseason is incredible, but it's been a great ride. Up and downs. There was points during the season where I thought we could make the postseason. Points during the season where I thought we might be picking top three in the draft. And in the end, 
D-backs have a pretty competitive team with a lot of upside, but still a lot of room for improvement as well. So now that we got those out the way, let's get into prediction time. D-backs final 10 games of the year. And the first prediction I want to make is Christian Walker and Dalton Varsho will combine for 70 home runs. Now, entering the final game against the Dodgers, Christian Walker has 35 home runs. Dalton Varsho is 26. So I believe they're nine home runs short of combining for 70. And I don't care how they do it, whether it's Christian Walker hitting nine home runs himself in the final 10 games, whether it's Dalton Varsho hitting seven, Christian Walker hitting two. I don't care who does it, but it is plausible for both of these guys to have, you know, for Walker to maybe hit five home runs in 10 games and then Dalton Varsho hit four home runs in 10 games because ideally I want it to be Christian Walker, 40 home runs, and Dalton Varsho, 30 home runs. Gotta love nice round numbers. So ideally, that's what I want to look like. But still, these two combined for 70, that will still be a very nice round number. And I think it's plausible for these two to combine for 70 home runs, even though that seems like a high total in the last 10 games because Walker did have a stretch in May where he hit five home runs in 10 games. So we actually saw it from him so far this season. We've actually seen him do this, and he had nine home runs in the month of May as well. So we've seen him have a big home run total in a month, and we've seen him get hot for at least a 10-game stretch. Dalton Varsho, he actually started this month, the month of September, with six home runs in six games. Yes, there was a stretch where Dalton Varsho hit six home runs in six games. So it's quite possible Dalton Varsho does that again, and then all of a sudden, you only need three home runs from Christian Walker. Dalton Varsho this month has quietly been on a tear. Maybe it's not quiet if you're a D-backs fan. It's quiet for the rest of Major League Baseball. Dalton Varsho this month, a near 1,000 OPS and eight home runs. I believe Christian Walker has the most home runs in a month for the D-backs this season in May when he hit nine home runs. So if Dalton Varsho hits like 10 home runs this month, that's the most home runs by any D-backs player in a month this season. Dalton Varsho quietly, like really approaching 30 home runs. Like I'm talking about this prediction, but when I actually look at Dalton Varsho's uh, like slash line and just raw numbers from the year, like by the end of the year, he might have 30 home runs with like 15 plus stolen bases and like uh, decent numbers across the board. Like um, I think... By the end of the year, you will say this was a, a positive season from Dalton Varsho and a slight improvement from what he did last year. But once again, Dalton Varsho just continues to prove he's a second-half player because last year, we know, he was an abominable player in the first half. But in the second half, he put up all-star level numbers. This season, he was fine in the first half. He was a good, not great player who's definitely a slightly above average major league player in the first half because of his versatility. But the second half this season, Dalton Varsho is doing a lot more than just the bare minimum because in the second half, he's got an OPS near 900, near 900 while hitting home runs and stealing bags at a higher rate than what he did in the first half. And Dalton Varsho isn't the only D-backs player having a great second half because the other half of this prediction, Christian Walker also having a great second half. He's batting 285 with a near 850 OPS in the second half. In the month of August, Christian Walker batted like near 400. He had a crazy month of August with like a near 1100 OPS. So I believe these two could combine for 70. And the other little subtle narrative that makes this prediction really fun is entering this final game against the Dodgers as I'm recording this 530. On September 22nd, Christian Walker and Paul Goldschmidt are tied with 35 home runs. So 
I just want to see which of those two first basemen finish higher in home runs. I think that would be kind of interesting. D-backs first baseman of the past versus the D-backs first baseman of the right now. Who's going to finish with more home runs? So that is a very interesting prediction. I think Varsho and Walker could combine for 70, but it would be tough to do. Then another prediction I have Ketel Marte and Corbin Carroll will finish the year looking like the D-backs pillars for next season. Now, Walker and Varsho might combine for 70, but Carroll and Marte will look like the catalyst for the rest of these year, for the rest of this year, because I believe these two are very complementary in their skill set. And I also think that the two biggest upside offensive position player the D-backs have in their lineup for next season because we've seen it from Ketel Marte. We've seen him be an MVP player at the plate before. Not an actual MVP, but finished top four in voting. And then Corbin Carroll, I mean, with his tools, what he's already done on the major league level, it's not a surprise if he's like a MVP all-star level candidate um, next season. And Ketel Marte, we know he struggled mightily this year, but over the last 14 games, his OPS is near 900. Over the last seven games, his OPS is above 1,000. So even though it's been a struggle for Marte this year, he is starting to get hot. As we get down the stretch, I want to feel good about Marte entering next season. I think he will show us that down the stretch. He's been really bad against breaking pitches this year. He hasn't been great against the fastball either, but over the last two weeks, he's really starting to hit the fastball very well. And then Corbin Carroll, on the other hand, he's just been crushing it all over. I mean, righties right now, he is crushing righties. He's got like above 1,000 OPS against righties this year. Corbin Carroll has also showed a lot of resilience and resolve with runners in scoring position and men on because he's got above 800 OPS in both of those situations. I believe these two players are really complementary against the, uh, to each other because Marte struggles against breaking pitches and righties, while Corbin Carroll excels against righties and breaking pitches. So I want to see what these two look like in the lineup right next to each other. Give me a little Ketel Marte batting second and then Corbin Carroll batting third or vice versa. I think these two should be kind of close to each other in the lineup because of that complementary style that they have. Corbin Carroll could be the table setter, getting on base and still driving home who's ever in front of him as the leadoff hitter. And then Ketel Marte will be the guy driving in both of them, getting on base as well. Just the uh, a pure hitter, both Carroll and Marte. So I think those are going to be the two catalysts for the D-backs entering next season. But first, I want to see them as the catalysts and pillars for the rest of this year. Now, I got two more predictions I want to get for you guys today, but I'm actually going to do the bet online read once again because I forgot a very important detail of these bet online reads. I forgot the overlay, something new I have to do now on the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. So let me not mess up my job. So let me pull my bet online ad read up once again because if you want to bet on Corbin Carroll becoming an all star next year, you need to head to betonline.net because it's your number one source for all your football betting info this season. Find all the latest, find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and, and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, golf. Head to head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.
All right. Let me go back and let me put my name on the screen now. Boom. Miller Thomas back at it. At Creator Thomas 24 for my Twitter or look up Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Let's get into my final D-backs predictions. Oh, I thought I only had two more. I actually have three more, I guess. Let me see one. Yep, that's three right there. So I guess I'll move kind of quickly in these next three. Next prediction I have for the D-backs, they will have two guys finishing in the top 10 of Cy Young voting. I think, I mean, for Zach Gallon, it's a guarantee he's finishing in the top 10. And we've seen a D-back duo do this before. I'll make it a little bit, uh, I can make it a little bit of a game because I have three D-backs duos that have done it in the last 20 years. There might be more, but I think there's only three D-backs duos, three D-backs pairs of pitchers that finished top 10 in the Cy Young voting since 2000. So I'll do the door, the Explorer pause and let you guys try to guess out loud in your cars or in your showers, wherever you're listening. No judgment here. Okay, now let me give you the answers. The most recent D-backs pair to do it, I believe, is Zach Greinke and Robbie Ray. Before that, it was Brandon Webb and Jose Valverde. I was surprised about that because I forgot about Valverde, did it as a closer. Then before that, Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, of course. So we've seen the D-backs have two pitchers in the top 10 of Cy Young voting before. And like I said before, Gallon guaranteed to finish top 10. I honestly believe Gallon is going to finish top three in Cy Young voting because Gallon currently leads the National League in whip and hits per nine innings. He's fifth in strikeouts per nine, and he's third in ERA. I think Gallon is going to finish top three in Cy Young voting because that's how good Gallon has been this season. Merrill Kelly, I believe he should finish top 10 in Cy Young voting, but the National League is really deep with pitchers. I think it's a little bit tougher. He's going to be right there on the edge, but it's going to be a little bit tougher for Merrill Kelly. He's basically between 12th and 8th and all those stats I just mentioned for Zach Allen. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing Merrill Kelly has working for him the rest of the season, he doesn't have to face the Dodgers anymore. So Merrill Kelly can just have one more great start. That might be enough to catapult him into the top 10 of Cy Young voting. So let's get that one more start for Merrill Kelly so he can be top 10 and then we can have two guys finishing in the top 10. Fun fact, the NL Cy Young race will be tough because there's 13 guys with a sub 3.2 sub 3.2 ERA and seven with a sub 3 ERA. So that's just a little fun fact for you. Next prediction, the debuts aren't over. I'm talking about rookies for the D-backs and specifically rookie pitchers because I still... I'm still holding out. We're going to see Brandon Fat before this season ends. The 23-year-old right-hander became the first minor leaguer since 2011 to reach 200 strikeouts in a season. 200 strikeouts in a season. First time since 2011. He joins Matt Moore, who did it twice. Don't forget about Matt Moore. He was really good when he first came on the scene. Edouard Cabrera and Trevor May as the only four to reach that milestone since 2010. He's only the 12th pitcher to do that since 2000. In AAA this season, Brandon Fat, 2.57 ear Ray, 10.3 strikeouts per nine, 2.1 walks per nine, 0.982 whip, and 64 strikeouts to 13 walks. So basically, in AAA, he's been a strikeout machine, not allowing walks, not allowing hits, not allowing runs. He's been a beast in AAA this season. And Reno, sometimes those pitchers get lit up because it's a little bit higher elevation. The ball kind of flies down there um, with the Reno aces. So good on Brandon Fat to 
I guess, persevere through that and still look phenomenal. But maybe it's not just a pitcher. Maybe we do see a position player at the end of the year. Maybe a guy like Dominic Canzone or Dominic Fletcher because both of those guys are 25 and they're in AAA. And it could just be a feel-good story to give someone their first major league hit and their first major league at-bat. That's when you start to bring in the PR team at the end of the year, start playing those social videos. You get the social team involved. You get the you get the prospects crying. You get the... You know, you get the audio of the phone call, of the kid being called up. Like, all that stuff is great. End of the season where your team's already out the postseason. Feel good stories to get a few more extra eyeballs on your team. So, I wouldn't be surprised if the D-backs did that. Would rather see the D-backs call up pitchers as opposed to position players because we just don't have a lot of very good pitchers while our lineup is stacked. But I wouldn't mind seeing a position player or two get their debut and their shot at their Major League debut as well. And then the final prediction before we go today... The bullpen will finish as one of the top five worst bullpens once again. This is Mike Hazen's biggest homework in the offseason, and we've talked about it a ton. D-backs currently have the fifth worst ERA in Major League Baseball. When you look at bullpen ERAs, seventh worst save percentage in Major League Baseball, and above league average in inherited runner scoring percentage. Not good numbers for the D-backs, and... You know what's so surprising about how bad this D-backs bullpen has been? The D-backs bullpen is bottom six in recorded outs per game and pitches per game. So what does that mean? The D-backs are asking their bullpen to do less, more than 24 other teams. They're putting the ball in their bullpen less than pretty much any other team in baseball. The bullpen has to not go out there and pitch four to five innings. They're pitching less innings than 24 other teams. So why are they struggling so much? It's not like they have a huge workload. The D-backs. I want to hear another interesting stat that I found. The D-backs bullpen has entered more games with leads than teams like the San Diego Padres, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Cleveland Guardians, the Baltimore Orioles. Think about that. This bullpen sees more leads than teams with above 500 records, teams leading their division, teams fighting for wildcard spots. Imagine if the D-backs bullpen was able to close games. Imagine if the D-backs bullpen was able to come through in the high leverage moments. The D-backs currently only have three relievers with at least 10 innings pitch and a sub four ERA. I bet you can name two of them, Joe Mansply and Kyle Nelson. Want to try against the third D-backs reliever with at least 10 innings pitch and a sub four ERA? Again, door the Explorer pause. This one might be tough to get because he's been injured for a lot of the season. He's out for the rest of the year. Sean Poppin is the answer. Who is Sean Poppin if you were to do it Jeopardy style? So D-backs bullpen needs to be corrected this offseason. We are a bullpen away, I believe, from competing for a wild card spot. So Mike Hazen, please get that figured out so I can see the D-backs in the postseason next year now that's it for this edition of the locked on dimebacks podcast come back tomorrow for more dimebacks news coverage and insight thank you for making locked on dimebacks your first listen at first listen every day go make your second listen of the day locked on mlb with our pal silly baseball who you hear every monday on this podcast as always stay safe stay healthy Deuce.